If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey everybody, welcome back to Games with Bill, episode 691 for July 13th, 2022. I hope that you are having a fantastic day. Um, I want to start off with last episode. I mentioned 10 games that I was really, really hyped for, for the uh, second half of this year. Um, Basically, um, this is not every game that's coming out that I'm excited for, but I I wanted to just make a list because I like lists, and... uh, I said, what are some? What are ten games that I'm looking forward to? So, the order that I went in uh, was Stray, Xenoblade Chronicles, and I didn't put them in any particular order. Although I think this is like release order, like when they're coming out. Um, but I said Stray, Xenoblade Chronicles Three, Lord of the Rings, Gollum, Last of Us One, Overwatch Two, Callisto Protocol, Metal Slug Tactics, Endless Dungeon, Marvel's Midnight Sun, and Evil West. Those are the like 10 games that I'm actually really looking forward to coming out later on this year. And I didn't put them in any particular order. Uh, But what I asked is that you all tell me what order that I should put them in. And so I made like a Google form and people filled it out and uh, you guys put them in order. And you said the number one game that you were looking forward to is stray. Then follow that with Gollum evil West was next metal slug tactics callisto protocol last of us one xenoblade chronicles 3 endless dungeon marvel's midnight sun and then the the game that people seemed the least hyped about out of all out of all of them was overwatch 2 uh so thank you for putting my list in order for me uh that was a fun little experiment and then i was also curious uh i i asked you guys which show or shows do you listen to? Because I have a bunch of different podcasts. And uh, 89.5% of you said that you watch the YouTube channel, which is just awesome. So thank you very much. 71% of the people who responded to the survey said that they check out Games with Bill, which is awesome. 84% said that they check out uh, my, my PC gaming podcast on deck. And then only 10% of you uh, listen to 143 pixels. I'm going to make a, 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 a call out to 143 pixels. If you have not checked out that show, please do me a favor and check it out. That show is a show all about games that we love. And each episode I have a guest on that guest and I sit down and talk about one game that they love. And I've had people on there like the creator of Diablo, David Brevik, uh, Jeff Kanata. Uh, I've had people on there like uh, Per Schneider, founder of IGN. So uh, check out that show, 143pixels.com, or just search for the number 143 uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, self-promotion aside, let's move on. And uh, I've got a follow-up to the Ubisoft uh, story from a couple episodes ago 
where Ubisoft was decommissioning uh, a bunch of different uh, DLCs and online stuff. But then uh, more more came of it. Um, so just a, a quick recap. It, uh, Ubisoft put out this um, support article uh, where they talked about all these older games that like they were going to tur- turn off the servers for in order to refocus their efforts on more popular games that people are actually playing right now. And I totally understand that they can't leave like these servers on forever. But, and this is a big but, um, that means that some DLC that people have paid for is going to be taken away. And there was even, boy, the way that this, um, the way that this went out is very, very problematic. So, the, the game um, Assassin's Creed Liberation HD uh, on PC, on Steam, on the Steam store, it said, um, please note this title will not be accessible following September 1st, 2022. Uh, that was screenshotted by at um, Norse3 on uh, Twitter. And this is after... Um, Ubisoft to put out their 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 list of games that are going to be decommissioned. Now I'm I don't work at, at at Valve, I don't work at Ubisoft, so maybe I'm completely off base here. But I don't think Valve goes around updating the store of individual games based on based on support articles from Ubisoft. My guess is somebody at Ubisoft probably had to go to Valve and say. Please make this change. Or they logged in and made that change themselves, however it is that that works, right? And the idea that somebody had to, on purpose, post that, please note, this game will no longer be accessible following September 1st, 2022, that tells me that that was the intention. The intention was that they were going to shut off access to that game. Which is scummy enough, but it's even more scummy when you find out that that game was recently in the Steam Summer Sale. Like they like this announcement came right after the Steam Summer Sale was over, and then in the Steam Summer Sale, Assassin's Creed Liberation HD was on sale. Like it was a special promotion. And then the game was going to be yanked out from underneath players at, uh, on September 1st. Absolutely not cool. Now, if you go there today and check it out, it no longer says that. Instead, instead, it says DLC and online features will be removed. The base game will remain playable, which is great. But that's not what they had planned on. But then we have this. I'm looking at this article from IGN, and you know, IGN's a big company, so they get to talk to you know, Ubisoft and Ubisoft is going to answer them when they reach out and Ubisoft sent them the following statement, excuse me. Um, as stated in our support article, only DLCs and online features will be affected by the upcoming decommissioning. Current owners of these games will still be able to access play or redownload them. Our teams are working with our partners to update this information across all storefronts and We're also assessing all available options for players who will be impacted with these games online services are decommissioned on September 1st, 2022. 
It has always been our attention, intention, sorry, to do everything in our power to allow these legacy titles to remain available in the best possible conditions for players. And this is what we are working towards. All right. If it was always their intention, then who updated the Steam page to say, please note, the title will not be accessible following September 1st, 2022? I don't buy it. It doesn't smell right. This does not uh, pass the sniff test. And the last sentence that they say here, it has always been our intention to do everything in our power to allow these legacy titles to remain available. Everything in their power. All you have to do is turn off the DRM. Update the game. Get rid of the DRM. Guess what? Pirates have done that. The people who steal your game have turned off the DRM. I haven't gone looking for it, but I guarantee 100% somewhere out there on the internet is a cracked version of Assassin's Creed Liberation HD where it doesn't have any DRM. And if if uh, pirates can do it, then you can do it, uh, Ubisoft. That that's how that's how we can remember how to pronounce Ubisoft is by saying Ubisoft. You can do it. It is completely within their power. But instead of saying, we're going to make it so that the DRM doesn't screw with you, instead of coming out and saying that, they hide behind this word salad of it has always been our intention to do everything in our power to allow these legacy titles to remain available in the best possible conditions for players. That's their intention. Oh, sorry, they didn't meet up to their intention. It just seems scummy. And look, I know that there's a lot of people that hate on Ubisoft. I like a, I I like a lot of the games that I've played by them. Not all of them, but a lot of the games that I've played by Ubisoft, I have enjoyed. Um, there are a lot of the samey stuff, but I have enjoyed them. But man, this is very very scummy, and I don't I don't like it. All right, let's move on and talk about something that I do like. And that is RoboCop Rogue Legacy. Man, I don't know about you. I, when I was a kid, <laughs> I should not have been allowed to watch RoboCop. I should not have been allowed to watch that movie. Holy cow, that movie was super ultra violent. And uh, you know what? My parents in the, in the late 80s, they didn't know any better. They were just like, oh, sure, go to the movies, whatever. It's a, it's fine. But anyway, I went and saw RoboCop, and I loved that movie, and I loved the character, and I loved the world that they built. Um, and, like, I've never really, like, the, the RoboCop games that I've played have all been pretty disappointing. This one, however, looks really cool. It's a first-person shooter. Um, I'm hoping... That it's just like a single player story thing. I love the like the only UI that they're showing, and I'm guessing that the that there's going to be more. But the only UI that they're showing is like the green crosshairs that shows up when uh, when RoboCop is aiming it at a at a bad guy. Uh, this game looks very very cool. We're not really seeing what gameplay looks like. I mean, I'm looking at the video and it says RoboCop Rogue Legacy. Or I'm sorry, Rogue City. Did I say Rogue Legacy? I've played a lot of that lately too. Uh, RoboCop Rogue City official gameplay reveal trailer. Gameplay 
is uh, is uh, being very, very generous by saying uh, that they, that we're seeing gameplay here. But I digress. I am very excited for that. That game comes out next June, so we have quite a long time to wait for it. It's going to be on the modern consoles, and it's going to be on PC. I'm guessing I'll probably play it on either my Xbox or my Steam Deck, depending on you know what the system requirements are. Um, you know, because being able to play it portably is awesome. And then I could also sit at my PC and play it. But uh, if like, it's not going to run well on the Steam Deck, then I've got my Xbox, I've got my PlayStation to play it on. Are you interested in RoboCop Rogue City? I am super hyped for that game. I think that it looks just fantastic. All right, let's move on and talk about um, one of my favorite MOBAs. And it's not the one that everybody else likes. Um Heroes of the Storm was my favorite MOBA. If you've never played a MOBA, it's a um, very competitive style of game where five players are playing against five other players, and uh, each 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 team has a base, and you have to defend your base while trying to blow up the enemy's base. That's the basics of it. Um, the thing that that uh, Heroes of the Storm did differently is your entire team leveled up together and you did not have to go back to your base in order to upgrade your character and this was huge because it kept you out on the battlefield longer which i thought was the best way to play uh typically when uh in uh, moba when you're fighting up against somebody like let's say you know i kill a creep which is a uh, like the npc in a moba if i kill a creep I get some XP, I get some gold. I get enough XP, I level up, then I travel back to base, I spend my gold and my XP in order to get new abilities or new gear, and then I go back out onto the battlefield. The way that Heroes of the Storm did it differently was your entire team leveled up together. So everybody on your team was level 5, and everybody on the enemy team was level 4 or whatever, uh, because you worked as a team instead of it, it encouraged teamwork. And you also, if you were like, if you weren't the best person on your team, you didn't get left behind everybody else. So now you're level two, everybody else is level seven and you're just getting smoked. And uh, it, it just made it more palatable for not super hardcore competitive people. But there was still that competitive there was a lot of uh, high skill ceiling stuff that you could do in that game. And then when you leveled up, because you didn't have to go back to base, you just leveled up real quick and then just kept playing. And I, I always thought that that made the, the matches go much, much faster. And I really, really loved Heroes of the Storm. In fact, if it still was a controller game, if it, or if you could play it on controller easily, I would probably would have still been playing it because it was just so much fun. Well, it's uh, it doesn't really matter because that game is no longer in development. Blizzard has said that they're not going to making be making any balance patches anymore. Uh, they're no longer going to be doing anything to that game. No new content. Um, they will still have. Oh, okay. I, I I misread what I just said. They will have balance patches. Uh, but moving forward, they will support heroes in a manner similar to their other long-standing games like StarCraft and StarCraft II in the future, 
will continue seasonal roles and hero rotations, and the in-game shop will remain optional. There are no plans for new purchase content to be added. Future patches will primarily focus on client sustainability and bug fixing with balance updates coming as needed. Essentially, they're feature complete. They will not be adding anything to that game uh, after this uh, other than like fixing a bug or, you know, balancing something that's out of balance. Um, boy, it's really too bad because this, it was just my favorite MOBA and it was so fun. And it's it sucks to see it getting essentially shut down. You, you can still play it, but as soon as this announcement comes out, I guarantee like people just like everybody just started exiting in droves. In fact, I saw it all over Twitter. Uh, it's the, it's the nail in the coffin for heroes of the storm. They're not going to be updating it anymore. Why even bother playing? And I understand that mentality, but at the same time, the game is still there. The game that you like is still there. It's just not getting new stuff added to it. And if you were only playing that game so that you could get the new stuff, then were you really enjoying the moment-to-moment gameplay anyway? Let's move on and talk about VR. Um, I don't have a VR system. My son saved up his money and bought an Oculus Quest 2 uh, a while back. And uh, I tried it. It's so cool. Like VR is really, really cool. And I, I'm trying to decide which VR system I want to get. Do I want to get a Quest or do I want to uh, hold out for the PSVR 2? I haven't made that decision yet. I'm going to wait and see what happens. Um, but one of the biggest issues that I had with um, what's now called MetaQuest um, was the idea that you had to have a Facebook account to log in. I don't use Facebook. Well, okay, that's not true. I only use Facebook for Facebook Marketplace. Like I log into Facebook. Like that's how I got my first DSLR was on Facebook Marketplace. There was a guy selling my uh, Sony A6000 for 200 bucks, which is crazy cheap. And like that, that's the only way that I use Facebook. I don't use it for anything else because I, I just don't like Facebook. And the idea of the Facebook account for the Oculus Quest, that always bothered me. Well, it always bothered a lot of people. And um, there's a MetaQuest um, tweeted this out. They said, you asked, we listened. You don't need a Facebook account to log into Quest starting next month. We're rolling out new Meta accounts that you can use with your VR headsets instead. This will give everyone more choice about how you set up in the uh, show up in the metaverse, which I think is very, very good. Uh, And a lot of people will be like, well, but they already got a bunch of people to sign up. And you're right. They did. And uh, it's Ollie on Twitter replied. They said, is there any way to unlink your Facebook account from your meta account? And they replied to that. They said, good question. If you previously merged your Facebook and Oculus accounts, you'll have a choice to remove Facebook as part of the meta account setup process. Now, what that doesn't tell me is what if 
Like that seems like if you had an Oculus account and then Facebook bought Oculus and then they you merged your accounts there, you can now split them apart. But if you picked up a uh, an Oculus Quest after Facebook had already made that integration, then the only way for you to make an account was to make a Facebook account. And can you split off your uh, meta stuff from your Facebook stuff? I don't know. Um, but it's very, it's very interesting. And I like that they listened and they are uh, allowing people to split that up. I'm wondering if uh, this is, you know, probably because somebody was sniffing around and being like, ah, this is uh, anti-competitive or something. I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see. Who knows? But, uh, you know, a little bit of good news in a, in a world that is, <laughs> well, in a world. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Xbox real quick. Uh, Tom Warren tweeted this out. They said Microsoft confirms Xbox will be at Gamescom in August on the show floor. Uh, for those of you that don't know what Gamescom is, it is essentially uh, European G... G? E3, European G, not G3, E3. It's basically Europe's version of E3. And it usually happens uh, in late summer. And they have a bunch of stuff that gets shown off, which is awesome. Um, but now that E3 is officially like dead, although <laughs> I have to say, um, I almost forgot about this. I'm, a, I'm kind of all over the place today. And I'm sorry for that. Um, E3, oh man, I got to find this. Yeah, here it is. E3 tweeted this out. They said, we're back. <laughs> E3 2023 will take place in June at the Los Angeles Convention Center with a new partner, Reed Pop, the folks behind PAX. Now, I snarkily replied with um, Ron Burgundy's I don't believe you. But at the same time, the fact that uh, Reed Pop, the people who are behind running conventions like PAX, which most people... Most people who I have spoken to who've been to PAX have said really, really good things about going to PAX as an experience. People who I've spoken to who have been to E3 have said that that experience is absolute garbage. So the fact that they've got Reed Pop running the show for E3, that is very interesting to me. Whether or not this saves E3 or not remains to be seen. But apparently E3 is going to be a in-person event next year in Los Angeles. Uh, and it's going to be run by uh, Reed Pop, which is a terrible name. Uh, and this is the same company that runs PAX. They run, they run EGX. They run Star Wars Celebration. They run New York Comic Con. They do a lot of conventions, so they have a lot of uh, a lot of experience there, and uh, they all, like the, in a GameIndustry.biz article, uh, the E3 um, uh, ESA president and CEO Stanley Pierre Louis uh, said, "We are thrilled to bring back E3 as an in-person event with Reed Pop, a global leader in producing pop culture events. The past three years." have confirmed that E3 convenes our industry like no other event. Reed Pop brings world-class talent and a keen understanding of the video game industry, which will serve to enhance the E3 experience for years to come. Uh, then Lance Fensterman, 
who is the president of Reed Pop, says it is a tremendous honor and privilege for Reed Pop to take on the responsibility of bringing E3 back in 2023. With the support and endorsement of the ESA, we are working to build a world-class event uh, to serve the global gaming industry in new and broader ways than we already do than we already do at Reed Pop through our portfolio of world-leading uh, events and websites. So I think that that's that's very very interesting. I like game announcements. The people who I've spoken to who have been to the E3 have said that the in-person events are terrible, and it's not really worth going. And that's okay, because I'll never be able to go anyway. Like, it happens at the end of June. That's when I have state tests with my students, so I can't go to these things anyway. But I do love E3 as somebody who gets to watch it from afar. Can ReadPop make E3 relevant? I mean, it's it's. I'm talking like E3 is not relevant because, because it, it's been gone for three years, but... Is it irrelevant? I don't think so. It's probably extremely relevant. And can ReadPop make that come back? I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, but the reason I went down that rabbit hole was because I was talking about Gamescom, the European version of E3, essentially. Uh, And like I said, Microsoft has confirmed that Xbox will be at Gamescom on the show floor in August Uh, They say fans in Europe and around the world can expect updates on some announced games coming to Xbox in the next 12 months and a chance to hang out as a community again in person, which I think is really cool. Anyway, that does it for today's episode of Games of Bill. If you're still here after that ridiculously rambly episode, uh, thank you so much. Please do me a favor and, uh, you know, in whatever podcast app you're listening to the show on, if it allows you to rate it or leave a review, please do. It really does help out. And uh, if you haven't checked out 143 Pixels, please do that as well, 143pixels.com, or just wherever you're listening to this right now, open up your podcast player and search for the numbers 143. You'll find it right away. And uh, lastly, uh, thank you to our patrons, uh, patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. I'm out of here. I hope that you all have a wonderful day, and uh, uh, we'll see whether or not we uh, get E3 back next year. Let me know what you guys think. Bye-bye.